20 years ago, the landscape of digital marketing was much different than what it is today. And the truth is most companies that were doing digital marketing 20 years ago are gone. They failed. They couldn't adapt. They couldn't become flexible and they couldn't make the adjustments in the ever increasing complex world of digital marketing. But Dot Digital has been around for at least 20 years. And today we have Tink Taylor coming to share some of his wisdom that he's gleaned from 20 plus years experience running Dot Digital in this crazy digital marketing world that we all live in. Hi, I'm Tim Jordan. And in every corner of the world, entrepreneurship is growing. So join me as I explore the stories of successes and failures. Listen in as I chat with the risk takers, the adventurous, and the entrepreneurial veterans. We all have a dream of living a life fulfilling our passions, and we want a business that doesn't make us punch a time clock, but instead runs around the clock in the AM and the PM. So get motivated, get inspired. You're listening to the AM PM podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the AM PM podcast, where we talk all things entrepreneurship from the eyes of an e commerce seller. Today, we've got a guest that, frankly, we've been trying to get on for a while, but either my kids would be sick and we couldn't record, or his power would be out, or all sorts of stuff. So, this is what I've been looking forward to for a while an introduction made by a good uh, mutual friend of ours. And even in just a few minutes that we chatted, getting ready for this episode, I realized, hey, this is going to be really, really great content, some really good actionable stuff. So without further ado, welcome Tink Taylor from Dot Digital. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great, great to finally be here. It's been, it's been uh, <laughs> had some fun and games trying to, trying to get this organized, but yes, yeah, good to finally happen. So I have heard the name Dot Digital, but I will admit that up until a few minutes ago, I didn't really know what you guys did. And I always like to ask the question, if you have a, have a company or service that you know applies to this industry, you know, I'd like to hear the history of that business, like how you got started, um, what the business is doing. And it's really good context because then when you share the actionable content after the introduction, we understand your point of view. We understand where you're coming from and it kind of sets your credibility. So if you say something that I might not even agree with, I can step back and say, but wait, this guy's been doing it for 20 years and I haven't. Maybe I'm the one that's wrong, right? So go ahead and give us the history of how did you get started with Dot Digital and and just give us like the five minute history of how you started to where you're at now. Yeah, so Dot, Dot Digital today is like a 20 something years old. It's a publicly traded company on the London Stock Exchange. It's a fully blown marketing automation platform. But you, know, you mentioned entrepreneurialism. You know, I'm an entrepreneur myself. I'm one of the founders of what is now Dot Digital. We we actually started off as a sort of a web development ages agency back in the late '90s, uh, and we were building websites. Uh, we then started building technology uh, for people to build their websites with. So we built a content management system, Dot uh, Editor, uh, and an e-commerce system, you know, Dot Commerce. Funny enough, uh, and then those sites needed. Uh, to be successful, so they need to be marketed. So we built an e email marketing platform called Dotmailer. Uh, we faced some difficult challenges over the year. Like each each one of those business units individually were incredibly good. I mean, we've ended life things like the the commerce platform uh, and the the, the C- CMS. The things like the commerce platform, we still have people running them. You know, they still work. And uh, you know, sort of ten years later. We look at some of the features and functionality, the likes of Shopify and Magento brought out in the last few years, you know, uh, with you know big trumpeted fanfares, and we're thinking, oh, we had that stuff like a decade ago. So we kind of 
understand what it is when we talk to an e-commerce merchant because we know what it's like to be all parts of that journey. We know what it's like to have to design and build your site. We know what it's like to work with your e-commerce vendor. And then we know what it's like to work with your, you know, your marketing partner. So that was the journey that we were on. We, we decided to pick a winner and the, the email marketing side of things had a great recurring revenue. It was very easy to predict that growth. So we focused on that and that's been a tremendous success. Um, the world has changed and we've needed to adapt and change everything about our business to the, to the needs of merchants over time. So we've layered on you know, so many features and functionality to make you be more segmented and more targeted over the years. And nowadays, it's across multiple channels. So you know, a few years back, we changed our name from .mailer into .digital. Uh, and that's because we brought a number of other channels into the marketing mix. So then, you know, we really offer an omni-channel solution now. So we offer things like SMS, you know, push, you know, it's mobile push, web push, uh, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, soon to bring on WeChat for Asia. Uh, and we also have a live chat product as well. So that, and they all link together. So yeah, it's constant innovation and change. And you, know, you can't stand still in this industry. And uh, I remember once going to a sales meeting and the sales guy was saying, we were struggling to sell this against XYZ competitor. Uh, and I white labeled our old version of the platform and said, can you sell it against this? And they went, no. And I said, see, this guy is your boss. He sold millions of dollars of this. That was our platform. They were like, wow, like, what we've got now is incredible. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully that gives you a bit of a, a potted history on who we are. And it's interesting, you know, when you think of commerce, you know, over the several thousands of years, there wasn't a ton of change until the past 20 years. So you've literally started in the era of Yahoo and AOL. And now you're talking about, you know, advanced WhatsApp integrations, you know, connecting to almost every cell phone in the, in the known world. You know, it's pretty crazy. So that, that's a really good history and congratulations on your success. I, one thing that strikes me before I move on that I want to bring up is you use the term you found a champion or you picked a winner. And what I perceive that to mean is you had a bunch of stuff going on and you said, hey, we have to throttle back. Like we have to actually on paper downsize what we're doing and become hyper-focused hyper on one thing. And that's tough because, uh, at least for me, it's been tough because I think of, you know, even the, the, <laughs> the lame ducks, you know, that I have. Like I just keep telling myself, oh, just one more month or one more quarter and it'll get over the hump and it'll be fine. And pulling the plug on something that you've invested so much time, energy, effort, and money into is tough. How did you get to the point where you realized, hey, I'm going to be comfortable cutting the plug on a bunch of this stuff and really hyper-focusing on one thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, you say the word focus there, and for me, focus is everything. You know, uh, I'm fortunate enough now to mentor a number of you know, merchants and entrepreneurs uh, around the world, actually, and it's a common discussion I have with them. So, yeah, we had you know, essentially several things going on. We had a, a successful agency. We had a successful e-commerce platform, a successful you know, content management platform, and then the marketing platform. Um, we, there was three co-founders of the business, so I was doing the, the email marketing piece, and my other two co-founders were looking after the, the other elements. Uh, and that was a very tough thing. You know, it, it was becoming immediately obvious that you know the email thing um, we had invested in. That was the you know, decision we made across all three of us. That investment decision was made on this is the easiest way to make money and that recurring revenue. Um, but then it did become a quite a challenging conversation, especially since they were the head of the other business areas we were looking to end of life. And you know, it's your first baby syndrome, as you say. You know, it's like, oh, just give it another month. We might just get this in. We might get that in. 
But the, the metrics and the numbers never stacked up. You know, in the agency world, we'd have to do however many implementations a month to, just to even catch up. And that focus uh, of actually end-of-lifing those uh, business units and saying, right, let's take the developers that we have working on here uh, and get them working on the platform uh, and the marketing platform made a massive difference. And I think one of the reasons why we've been so successful, in, especially in the, the e-commerce world, is our developers understand what an e-commerce platform is because they built one. You know, when we just, one of the steps we took to end of life that we actually became a Magento SI. So one of the reasons why our integration into Magento is so good, because we knew in uh, the Magento uh, platform inside out as well. So I think that's a big part of our journey is that when we talk to a merchant, as I say, we understand all those pain points of everyone involved in that situation it's not just a case of wiring stuff together we understand why people are doing it what pain points they're facing and what they're hoping to achieve and try to address those challenges that's great and the other thing of course that's done is it's giving you 20 years 20 plus years of experience which a lot of our listeners myself included need because unfortunately the things that worked five years ago don't work today like we have to keep changing when it comes to the actual implementation of tactics um, and and tools, but the strategies of like running a successful business, it doesn't change. You know, I, I live a lot in the Amazon world and everybody thinks that you can, you know, become a millionaire selling a brand by optimizing the back end of a listing. And I'm like, well, you're missing the point. You still have to have a great product. You still have to sell it. Like business fundamentals still trump the specific tactics, right? So I know that there's a lot of noise out there, a lot of shiny object syndrome. And what I'd like to do today is talk about a combination of the two, like hardcore business marketing strategies mixed with some of the best tactics and tools and things that we can utilize in the current day and age to help build our businesses, whether it's digital marketing, e-commerce brands, whatever. Um, and even before that, what I'd like to do is start out with some of the mistakes that, that you see people make. So whether it's existing customers and you've got hundreds and thousands, I'm sure, especially like new cl clients that you're bringing in, that you're consulting them, you're helping them. What are some of the biggest mistakes you see e-commerce businesses making right now that hopefully we can glean some wisdom from and maybe stop making those same mistakes ourselves? Yeah, I think um, probably a good answer to that is actually people have this ambition to do everything and they try and do everything at once. And quite often they'll, they would have bought you know, that shiny object you were, you were talking to. There's, you know, so there's always a number of slick salesmen out there in this, in this software world that you know, will promise the earth. And you know, we were talking off air, you know, where, where we position ourselves is, a, is, a, is deliberate as a consequence of that. You know, we have sort of at the lower end, you know, a lot of the cheaper or freer um, products, you know, your MailChimp sort of a great, great entry level, get you going. Um, but then when you want to go and be a bit more sophisticated, you just can't do it in those platforms. You kind of outgrown them. Or you want some help. You know, you know, how many customers does MailChimp have, for example? It's probably like 11, 12 million. You know, they probably only have a thousand staff. So your chance of talking to someone is pretty slim. You know, what's your thoughts on this, et cetera, et cetera. Then you go to the other extreme, uh, the big enterprise, your Oracle, your Salesforce Marketing Cloud and what have you. And these things are, you know, it's like buying a Ferrari, but people buy it, but they don't get the performance out of it. You need a really good driver. You probably need a really big, team or pit crew and some big sponsors and people just end up you know my analogy there is you know you bought this thing and you're only actually driving it to the shop and back to get your groceries 
So what we find in both situations there is sort of at the lower end and the top end, people are just batching and blasting. One message to everyone. Uh, and, you know, that, that fundamentally just doesn't work. You know, that, that, that worked many years ago. Uh, people know that's, uh, that, that's happening to them. You don't treat people uh, specially or as an individual. You don't build a relationship or, or any trust with, with that particular brand. And kind of what you're always trying to do, if you, I, I, I would say you try and replicate an indoor, in-store, sorry, experience. You, know, you walk into a shop, you know, someone will say hello to you. They'll get to know you. They'll know your name. Uh, if you come back, they know your preferences. Uh, they know, you know the types of things that you know, someone similar to you would have bought. And you know, that, you know, that, that's sort of natural service. And you know, when you get good service, you, you appreciate it. And that's what we, we can do in a digital world. We can replicate all of that. But it seldom happens. I think people buy the dream, and then they sit down with these tools and either say, this is too much and too big and too complicated. Or there's no help with this, and this is too simple. So that's why we've positioned ourselves in the middle uh, as a business to address that challenge. You know, an easy-to-use UI uh, with sophistication, but platform and people. And it's quite interesting. We, we, we've run some market research. I think it's over 10 years now. We do something called Hitting the Mart, and I encourage people, any merchants listening, to download it. And what we do is we sign up to numerous merchants from around the world. Uh, we then register on their website. We sign up to newsletters, SMS updates. We'll put stuff in a basket, abandon it. We'll like, buy it. We'll abandon browse and what have you. And then we sit there and wait. And then we see what happens. We reverse engineer uh, absolutely everything that happens and then rank these people uh, on their marketing automation based on, on what we see. So there's two things there. One is download the report because everything that we score is important that you should be doing. It's almost like a checklist. Yeah, have I done? Have I done my band of browse? My band. And these are big brands that you're doing this with, right? Yeah. So that, that's. I a, mean, these aren't small companies. These are like big major brands. Yeah, we pick some big ones. They're not clients of ours, so there's no preference. We don't sort of sit there and say, "Hey, look at these guys. Aren't they doing well?" We call out the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think for you know your audience in in particular. Um, I think it's encouraging news because when we look at the report, it's the same every year. And I kind of think, why do we keep doing this? But every year we see some of these big brands just missing the most fundamental basic things. They haven't maybe got their abandoned cars set up or you know, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so as a as sort of a mid-sized you know, merchant or even a small merchant, I think this gives you the opportunity to really compete and, and you know, excel on that customer experience, because that's ultimately what you're using marketing automation here is to deliver a great customer experience, build loyalty, trust, what have you in your brand, and people will use you. And maybe some of these bigger companies, they're actually, um, you know, they're left with older legacy systems, so it's hard for them to move off of some of those platforms. So you could be a lot more agile in that sort of mid-market and SME space. I yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you're right, it is encouraging that the big brands are making a lot of these mistakes. So one, we shouldn't feel like complete doofuses for, for making those mistakes, but it does make us agile. And we saw that in COVID, you know, even uh, our small e-commerce brands versus the big ones, you know, we were more agile. We could move faster. We could restock faster. And that gave us big opportunities. So that's interesting uh, that, that you bring that up as one of the biggest mistakes is just not doing the basics, you know, forgetting the basics of following up with people and, and just, just business one-on-one. Do you, do you think that these big brands are making these mistakes because they haven't pivoted fast enough 
Or do you think that they're just so wrapped up in all the stuff going on that stuff's just getting swept through the cracks? I think there's probably a couple of things at play there. One is, as I say, legacy platforms that may not allow various integrations across platforms. Some of the, one of the things we mentioned off air is because we're a proper omni-channel uh, company and we offer um, multiple channels of, of messaging, we can use the underlying data and the engagements that we see across all those channels to really leverage the messaging we're, say, you know, we're sending out. So if I'm doing a, you know, I'm, I'm on a extreme sports website and I'm chatting to the, 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 the live chat agent about snowboards, you know, I might want a blue one. I might want a certain brand, a certain size. We, we can take that data and maybe we can use that to, to our, our ability to personalize an email that goes out later. Uh, and the analogy I often use there is like when I phone the bank, you know, they, they, the first thing they say is like, punch in your credit card and we'll put you through to someone. And then you get through to someone and say, what's your credit card detail? It's like, I've already told you. And it's like, I can't help you in this department. And you go through to another department, it says, punch in your details. And you just keep going on and on. It's like, you, you should already know this about me. And I think that's uh, the challenge is not only for the larger organizations, but the smaller ones as well, is you will have... If you're looking at doing more multi-channel stuff, and I think you should be these days, if you're not, your competitors are. Um, but you might go out and buy an SMS product. You might go out and buy a push product. You might go out and buy an email product, a separate live chat product. If they're, if they're not properly integrated, you can't, have, you can't offer that, that great customer experience where you're saying, hey, welcome back, Tink. We understand who you are and what you're, what you're all about from all of our previous conversations across all those channels. And those channels, by the way, it's no longer the, in, in the control of the merchant about which one you use. It's your customers are deciding which channels they want to engage with you on. So you have to be able to have these two-way conversations, and it's, it's vital that you're using the information that you're learning from these channels across all of your future channels. And, and equally, I think one of the, the challenges that the larger organizations have is quite often it's a different business unit. Uh, you might have a, you know, an email business unit. And certainly in the US, you would have an email marketing director. You know, it's, it's, it's earning that much revenue. Someone else probably has ownership of SMS and so on. And, and their personal KPIs and annual salaries and bonuses are probably all driven to be at odds with each other. Uh, you know, they're all arguing over last click at, attribution in terms of you know, who's, who's going to get their Christmas bonus. So there's challenges of that, that, that nature as well. But I think it's that unified experience. Uh, there's not many people around that do really have their own ability to send messaging across many channels. And again, that comes back to the don't buy something shiny. Really, you know, maybe get a demonstration account and use it in anger. I'd always recommend that because there's lots of people that say, oh, yeah, we, you know, SMS is you know, incredibly popular right now. It's growing like crazy. And they say, yeah, we've got SMS capability, but simply it's a white label of someone else's. It's not their own tech. Uh, you know, maybe the email messaging engine that underpins you know, this email company it isn't their own tech. So they're not in charge of that. There's consequences there in terms of how you can actually get your emails delivered into the inbox. So I always recommend some, some decent digging around. Uh, and then when you try to get a bit more sophisticated, make sure you get you know, proper support and account management. What we've found, obviously, being in business 20 years, you know, we, 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 release, we release new software every two weeks in the background. We do a, 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 a quarterly where we wrap everything up in a sort of a public 
sort of tran- uh, 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 fanfare. But uh, that means we've made a lot of changes. And what, what we've seen over time is all of these features and functions we've built are at the request of merchants and they're all sensible because they all ultimately drive revenue, and better engagement and what have you. But what's quite interesting, if you give it to someone and just leave them, leave them to their own devices, they just end up batching and blasting. They're time poor, you know, maybe sending out an SMS or an email or whatever. It's on their list of marketing things to do. They've then got to go to a trade show or get some swag or, or do some SEO or what have you. So they just sort of tick the box and get something out. So they don't utilize the full features. So that's why we believe in platform and people and we'll hold people's hands through that journey. Uh, we also have a number of sort of templates um, of the types of things you should do. So certain automations, you know, everyone should have a welcome series, birthday series, you know, abandoned cart series, abandoned browse. So we kind of have those within our platform deliberately and say, right, go color those in. Everyone should have them. Okay, now you've got that set up. Let's go to the next level. And that's where you'd have someone that would sit there and understand your business and sort of say, well, what other opportunities have you got to send out a message? Uh, and it's, that, that becomes kind of scary for people because kind of the message, our, our, our message there is send more, send as much as you can. And then people kind of go, well, that feels a bit spammy. And it's like, okay, well, we have a caveat there. It's like, don't, don't do anything daft. Don't send the same thing to everyone. So you've now got to look at how you're properly going to you know, divide up your database and segment uh, or automate one-to-one message. Um, so you're getting something out the door as often as possible. So what some people do, a typical mistake, is they segment and they send less in, in aggregate. And that means you've got less chance of making money. So what you want to do is have more segments, but then have a greater volume in aggregate across all your channels. Because every single one of those messages that goes out is a touch point that can drive someone to a sale. And you can only do that once you've understood the business, you've got your basics in place, and then look at the nature of that business and say, what other opportunities exist within your client base that would uh, enable you to send out another message? Is there you know, something seasonal or whatever it might be? Is it replenishment of a product? You know, what's, the, what's the time period for that and what have you? But yeah, I think once, once, once we've done the basics, we walk people through that and then we will always look into say, right, in between the gaps, what else can we offer here? Uh, and just try to get that number of messages yeah. in aggregate much, much higher. But the perception of the, the person receiving that, it's much more uh, tailored. It's a one-to-one message. It's 100% relevant. Relevancy equals results at the end of the day. And you're making them feel special. Yeah. It, it's interesting. And let me say this too. For those of you that are listening that are completely lost right now, like if 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 you if you're completely confused what we're talking about, let me dummy down one of the overall messages or a couple of the overall messages that Tink just gave us. Because even if you don't have your own e-commerce website, let's say you're on Amazon and you can't do SMS and chat and all this stuff. Here's some of the big takeaways I just took. One is I think buyers are more savvy and they want a custom experience, right? You can't just cookie cutter everything because we've all been digitally marketed to death and we don't feel like that's great. So whether it's your email, whether it's your SMS, whether it's your social media messaging, or whether it's the email follow-ups that you send to customers on Amazon, right? Customize this stuff, spend a little extra time because the retention rate and the actual success rate will be much higher. The other thing is, and this is something I'm bad about, Tink, is, is you were talking about basically everybody has a checklist, 
right? Well, I'm doing my SMS or I'm doing my social, I'm doing my email or I'm doing my, you know, my follow-up campaigns, um, you know, abandoned cart stuff. But just because we're doing it doesn't mean we're doing it well. You know, hitting a checklist doesn't necessarily equate to success. So we have to make sure that instead of just adding more and more things to our business, more components, more complexities, we have to occasionally review what we're doing and make sure we're doing it right. And I'm really bad about this. Like I use MailChimp because, well, I'm not technically very savvy, right? And we just send out an email and every week an email goes out. But I never really stop and look and say, well, hey, I'm doing this. It's checked off my list, but let's start from scratch and let's start split testing and see what has higher engagement rate. Like sometimes you have to slow down to speed up, right? And and I definitely screw up uh, on that. And it's interesting that you bring that up as one of the biggest mistakes people make. And you see that a lot, you know? Yeah, certainly was split testing is an interesting one. If I put my um, 100% marketer's hat on, and I'm doing, doing, doing dot digital a disservice here because, yeah, we have features such as automated split testing on subject lines and so on and so forth. And for many people, I think that ticks their box to say, yes, I'm split testing. But what are you actually learning if you're not going back and reviewing it? You, you might be getting results of 49 to 51. Have you really made a, a substantial difference? So I think, I think you're right. You, um, just ticking the box to say, I've done this rather than actually allowing proper time to go back and analyzing uh, and really pushing the boat out on some of those tests. I, I wouldn't be afraid of failure. Um, that's both in your marketing and just in the business sense as well. Something that, that I've always done in terms of growing our business is start something off, monitor it super closely. If it works, do more. If it doesn't, stop it immediately and do something else. Uh, and there's, 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 there's nothing wrong if it didn't work. It's plenty wrong if you just leave it running for, for that long. I mean, I was mentoring uh, uh, someone who's become a dear friend of me. Uh, it has an e-commerce business uh, up here in Canada where I'm based at the moment. And I was looking at their Facebook ads and their email campaigns. I said, when was the last time you looked at these? It was something like 12 months ago. And it's like, you really think this is optimized and good use of your spend? And it's like, well, it sits there. It brings. I'm kind of satisfied with what it, it's bringing me. Uh, and I guess that's that's one of the opportunities. Don't be satisfied because there's there's more money to be to be wrung out of all of these different types of digital marketing if you if you afford yourself the proper time and energy to go and review what's actually going on. So speaking of reviewing what's actually going on, that's one thing that you do a lot of. Uh, I know we talked about this offline, and a lot of times we are so in the trenches and running our business that we don't have the time to go out and experiment and see what else is new. Just the fact that you've talked about interconnectivity between WhatsApp and WeChat, which is now the largest texting app in the world, right? Um, leads me to believe that you might have a few tricks up your sleeve. So I know you can't tell us all your secret juju sauce, but if you were to look into a crystal ball and you could tell us maybe some of the biggest game changers that we should be paying attention to in 2021 and moving forward, what are some of the upcoming things that have you most excited when it comes to digital marketing? Yeah, I mean... First of all, you know, uh, WhatsApp, you know, I think they've got some challenges or Facebook got challenges there uh, to catch up with, you know, something like the might of WeChat. I mean, those not familiar with WeChat, it's sort of WhatsApp on steroids. You can do everything Amazing. Yeah. Uh, within WeChat and, you know, you can purchase and all of that sort of good stuff. You know, so obviously Facebook have had some criticism about changing their terms and conditions recently and lots of people are scared about it. But really, it's about transitioning Merging together Facebook you know, uh, 
Instagram Messenger and, and WhatsApp into one unified messaging service, and then layering on uh, features and functionality that uh, merchants can, can make use of. So it's going to, you know, it's, it's their attempt to sort of become the Western uh, version of WeChat, I suppose. I think one of the other things that, that's interesting, which is is now capable, uh, or there is some capabilities out there to do now, is transactions occurring directly within the inbox. So you know, certain scripting languages you can do, you can do a lot more sophisticated stuff like change content in within the inbox. Uh, we've actually got some projects with some of our partners going on in the background, experimenting with that. Um, there are only some some inbox environments that allow that. Microsoft just actually, in the not too distant past, actually stopped that, uh, prevented that from happening. But the likes of Google, Gmail's massive. You know, you can do that there. So it's quite it's quite an interesting challenge. You know, we're looking at you know, can I make a purchase directly from the email? I don't have to jump off to the store. We've been doing that for many years with like PayPal button, whatever. But I think you know, right now. Uh, I think we want to take that to the next level. And then that, there, there's some interesting challenges there around you know, stock control or you know, products that have you know, numerous different variations, colors, sizes, and so on and so forth. But that's definitely the future of uh, something like email. The, for many years, doing cool stuff within the inbox itself in terms of scripting or the ability of scripting languages being able to be used has been deliberately prevented because that's how many people you know it's your doorway to your computer and you know um, all of those malicious emails uh people trying to you know hack into your machine could make use of that but uh, there's there's increasingly more standards uh, coming into play that will allow that sort of thing so i think you know the the merging merging of all the messaging channel channels you know your, your, your facebook your whatsapps and what have you and the sophistication of those apps are going to accelerate and I also think, you know, the inbox is, you know, very shortly due a bit of a revolution. Do you think that email will ever lose its effectiveness? That's such, a, that's such an interesting question. In 20 years, there must be every year someone writes a white paper, email is dead. Uh, and yep. for every, every year when you look at the ROI uh, for digital marketing, you know, email and search are always one and two, uh, have been for, for many years. I think, you know, it'll it, never, never be a forever. I mean, I talk about, you know, Asia. You go over there and you say, do you, you know, can you give me your email address? And they look, they look at you in a, with, a, with a very blank expression. They just don't do it because all in WeChat. And so it, it has sort of bypassed it there. I think it, it's never going to go away. Um, it's still going to be incredibly powerful. It's huge for driving conversion still. I mean, it's not going to go away for a, a long, long time. But I think... The best way to augment it moving forward is to utilize it alongside those other channels. As I say, you know, it might be your transactional email you're sending out with some sort of you know, additional marketing push and what have you. Uh, that sale may, may, may have happened in WhatsApp or you know, via a link in, in SMS. I mean, still to these days, you know, SMS, I think, it's quite a private channel. I mean, the open rates of SMS, like the time spans of it is seconds if someone receives it you know you think it's from a friend and then you see a message from a brand you know that's a sensitive yeah you know, you've got to be very sensitive about the type of content you send in that scenario is that that situation is changing as people get more familiar with it uh they happily receive reminders and that kind of thing uh or receipts but um yeah i don't think email is going away but i do think it's increasingly going to be used in conjunction with all those other channels 
Sure. So what's the next evolution of email? Because when you think about like SMS, right? Things have changed now because you can link to stuff directly. You can have personal push notifications. When you think about like Facebook Messenger, then we turned into like chat bots and many chat flows and, you know, everything keeps evolving. So what's the next big change that happens to email that keeps it hyper relevant and keeps it caught up as far as like the tech ability with some of these other platforms? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's the next big thing that's coming. I think it's already there. It's, it's people actually leveraging the ability. I mean, you can send a mass broadcast, but tailor it one-to-one for every single recipient. And I don't think there's another channel that can do that uh, in, in such a sophisticated way. You know, every product image, every, every price, in the, you know, talk about B2B commerce, you know, uh, your pricing can change per customer. Uh, the subject line, literally everything can be automated. Also, everything can be automated uh, and integrated with other channels. So I can link into uh, my e-com store and all the product pictures and prices you know, is pulling automatically from there. Maybe I'm using someone like Klebu, uh and site search. Well, I can pull in those site searches and I can update the content of the email of that. It's so tailored. Uh, absolutely every fine line of it uh, can can really be driven to get, deliver that one-to-one communication quite effortlessly with the right technologies linked together. Um, the challenge is, as I say, go back to that hitting the mark report, is so many people don't seem to be doing that. And I think it's probably because they've got not the right tech stack that actually enables them to do that. Or maybe they've got the products, um, but they just don't have the people to tell just don't them know how to use it, how to link it together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you do, it, can, yep. it, it takes a bit of time, but once it's set up, it then runs itself. That's when you afford yourself the time to go back and analyze what I'm sending out. How can I fine tune that to get better results? So the other question I have about email, I guess the last one before we run out of time here is we're starting to see more and more legal restrictions for emails and digital privacy in general, right? You used to be able, you could buy email list, you could spam the crap out of everybody, whether it works or not, it's a different debate. But now there's laws as far as how you can acquire, how you can use opt-in, opt-out, do you see upcoming additional legal changes coming to the email marketing landscape that you can give us a heads up on? Absolutely, for sure. I mean, outside of .digital, I've, I've sat on the Direct Marketing Association's email council for many years uh, before I left the UK. And back, back then even, um, yeah, we were working very closely with the UK Information Commissioner Office. He was working with the EU on you know, things like the cookie law and privacy. Um, obviously, in Europe, we've gone through GDPR in the, in the not-too-distant past. Uh, I'm up here in Canada now, and you know, we're faced with the Castle Act. In the US, we have you know, things like you know, the California data laws. I actually think you know, what we've been preaching for many years is best practice, which is over and above the, legal, the basic legal requirements. Because it works, it gets you more effective marketing. Uh, and, and, and much better results. So I think these laws are a good thing because it focuses the mind on doing the right stuff. You're kind of forced to. I think the consequences many years ago about not following the law were so slack that people were being lazy. They would go out and buy a list and put yourself in the shoes of a recipient on that list. You're just getting stuff left, right, and center from people you haven't heard of, don't remember giving them permission to, and it's not relevant or even tailored to you. So it just goes straight in the bin anyway. Those, those messages that I receive, there's probably 10, 20 brands that 
if that email doesn't appear in my inbox, I go hunting it out just in case it's gone into the spam folder because it's always so good. I love it. Um, so I think the data privacy laws are a good thing. I think open, like being open and transparent uh, about what you're doing, I think, is a good thing. Um, the way I kind of describe it when we worked on the cookie law with the information commissioner, um, yeah, his, his view was always like, if, if the average man on the street knows what's happening, like you click on this email, you're being tracked, you're using that tracking uh, to help you send something more targeted and relevant next time to add more value to that person's experience in life, they're going to enjoy it. All the time, that seems to be a bit uh, sort of mysterious and what data have you got on me? Uh, it, it, it sounds like, you know, it says, sounds a bit dodgy. So I'm all for openness and transparency. There's definitely a lot of people out there that have used data in you know quite a nefarious way, and I don't agree with that. Um, so I welcome the, the, the restrictions. Uh, I can very much see, particularly in the US, it, it makes no sense that you know you're having different laws in every state. So I think we'll see a federal law. In fact, I sit on the Email Evolution Council, which is yeah you know, uh, part of the what was the DMA in the US, and you know we 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 have lobbyists quite very closely looking at, at the laws and the legislation there. And you know I think a federal law does make more sense uh, because it's it's just going to be too difficult. Um, and I would very much suspect that that law would follow the kind of uh, processes and practices that GDPR has set up because it's sensible and you know it's it's working. Um, and you know maybe this is, a, this is a bit of a sales pitch, perhaps for Dot Digital, but because we're UK by birth, we're we're sort of much finally more more in tune with the GDPR issue, and you know we've built into our platform uh, a number of features. It doesn't make you compliant because you as a brand have to do that, but it makes it easier yeah. for you to be compliant. So we, you know, it's much easier to pull a list of, you know, this is a date that someone signed up. Here's the here's a copy of the permission statement. I think we've got seven or eight particular GDPR features that just does make it easier for you to stay compliant. And even if you're in, say, the US now and you're sending something to someone within Europe, you know, someone's got a Gmail address. Do you know where they physically live? They could be in Europe, I and mean, you could be subject to a GDPR fine, which is you know four percent of turnover and 34, 30 million euros. Do you want that? Of course you don't. So that's where you know you need help, help and advice. And you know, again, that comes back to our platform and, and people message because I think that is, I think you're right. There's it, it's it's a hot topic. It's one that sounds incredibly com complicated from the outside in, but really, if you just consider best practice, no shortcuts. How do I sit down? and build my own list, because those lists that you've built yourself will always have a much higher engagement rate anyway. So yeah, it's all just general good practice. Great question. Yeah, I right. love it. I feel like we've covered so many topics and pulled so many golden nuggets out of so many different things. If you've just listened to this and you're lost, go back and listen to it again, because the second time you listen to this, you'll pull something else out. If you're still lost after the second time, give it a couple months and come back again, because you will have picked up some keywords seen them elsewhere over the next two months, and then you'll be able to make some connections you come back. So, uh, Tink, thank you so much for being on, and congratulations for being around for so long, because the truth is most digital marketing slash dot-com type businesses that were born in the year 2000 aren't around because they weren't able to, you know, weather so many changes and stay relevant and all that good stuff. So, you must have had a great mentor, had some great, you know, advice given elsewhere, and my su suspicion is 
you've read some great books, right? Be a good entrepreneur. You've read some good books. So lately on all the episodes, I've been asking everybody, if you had to go to your bookshelf and it, those of you that are, they can see this on YouTube, you see it. If you don't see it on YouTube, I'm watching think in front of like 200 books on the bookshelf behind them. But if you had to go to your bookshelf and pull one book off that you would suggest every aspiring entrepreneur read that made the biggest difference in your life, what would that book be and why? Oh, I have a real problem with this question because I get asked it all the time. Um, but my kind of my honest answer is don't read someone else's book to tell you how to be an entrepreneur. Just get on with it. You know, as I say, it's it's about marketing or you know, starting things, and stop, you know, monitoring them, putting more into what does work and stopping what doesn't. I think you know, a lot of people there are always sitting there saying, I, I need this instruction manual to how to make a successful book. I can't imagine Steve Jobs, Michael Dell, uh, and all of those guys sitting there going, I need to go and read someone's book to go and be successful. They just, they just got on with it. Now there is, there is, there is, so that's kind of like the pendulum swings one way. So yeah, I, I, I just know well, plenty of the people that um, I've mentored over the years are just obsessed with that question. Book, 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 book. And it's like, when are you actually going to start something and do something? It's got a slightly obtuse answer there. It's like, probably go and write your own book of success once you've made it successful. Roll your sleeves up and get on with it. But uh, one of, actually, my honest answer is the book that I, I like most, uh, and maybe it's a, mar a marketing book more so, is Tipping Point by Ma Ma Malcolm Gladwell. Um, so it has a number of different things about uh, testing and so on and so forth across loads of different platforms. It even describes uh, very eloquently how Sesame Street was very, very, very scientifically put together in terms of how to drive engagement. Uh, so it's, I, I find that book quite fascinating. Amazing. Well, that's that's two good pieces of advice. I like your crap or get off the pot <laughs> directions because you're right. We do need wisdom and we need to educate ourselves, but so many people get so caught up in um, gathering information that they don't go out and just experience it, you know, and there's no better way I'll, to learn. I'll give, than you, just I'll give you a for instance. And, you know, or get off the pot. Richard Branson, I, I'm actually dyslexic, so I, that's why I probably don't like that, that question. Richard Branson's dyslexic. I can't imagine him sitting down and reading a book and going, right, I'm going to go and be, be an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> understand it. Well, Tink, thanks so much for being on. Uh, continued success with your business. I know that um, a lot of folks listening to this podcast are probably in the position where they want something more advanced than like a MailChimp and, and looking for something that's more advanced but simple to use. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll get a little website traffic bump when this episode goes out. And for those of you that are listening that found value in this, please, 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 please give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Send us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or whatever it is. We love getting those reviews and hearing your feedback on the episodes and type of content we're bringing. And make sure to go to the ampm.com website, check out past episodes. And I think that's it. So we'll sign off. Thanks again, Tink. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.